Hello and welcome. I'm Darren Harper and this is episode 21 of the Jazz Matters podcast. This time out we're heading back across the pond as we learn a little bit more about Daniel Bennett, the New York-based multi-instrumentalist and leader of the Daniel Bennett Group. But before we go there, just a quick reminder about our previous episode where we spoke to Lou Paley and Nina Fine from the London-based project Women in Jazz. You can still find that episode via the link on our website jazzmatters.net or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Of course, there's also 19 other fascinating stories you can catch up on whilst you're there. I also need to take a moment to say a huge thank you to everybody who helped make the South End Jazz Festival happen earlier this month. I'm still recovering from the busiest six days ever, but as the first live event put on under the Jazz Matters banner, I'm absolutely delighted to say we brought fantastic new artists to the area, showcased the amazing talent already there, and reached over 800 people giving work to over 70 musicians, and we took free workshops into schools where we provided maybe a first ever experience of jazz music to around 250 children. From the regular promoters on the South End jazz scene, to the musicians, to everybody who helped spread the word, those who helped at the events, to everyone that came along, thank you all so much. I will be forever grateful to you all. And it's safe to say it will not be the last live event with the Jazz Matters stamp on it. But now we go from the east coast of England to the east coast of the United States, over to Manhattan, which has now become the home of one Daniel Bennett. As always, we'll kick off with some music. This track is taken from the 2018 album We Are The Orchestra, recorded with Mark Coccio, and it's brilliantly titled Loose Fitting Spare Tire.
Daniel Bennett's first exposure to jazz music came at the age of 10, when his sister took him along to a high school band concert. There, he heard a young man by the name of Chris Oldfield play the theme from the Pink Panther on the tenor saxophone. Daniel was immediately hooked. He actually took lessons from Chris for a few years and started learning to read music. Initially playing alto sax, Daniel joined a marching band, a concert band and a jazz band. He soon switched to tenor sax and it wasn't long before Daniel's list of instruments grew significantly. Uh, I was playing alto saxophone uh, at first, but then I switched to tenor sax, barry sax, soprano, flute, clarinet, oboe. When I was in high school, I taught myself to play the guitar. Uh, oddly enough, to this day, I still write all of my music from the guitar. I've never composed a song from the piano. <laughs> I actually strum chords on my guitar and sing, and then I transfer the melody to one of my wind instruments. Early influences, as with most people, came from the music Daniel's parents listened to. This definitely wasn't jazz, but more American folk. The music of his early years was filled with the likes of Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie and Simon and Garfunkel. Daniel's parents were encouraging him to explore life and music in all its forms, so he spent his younger years playing with lots of different groups, playing various instruments and even singing, often practising, in the front room of the family home in Rochester, New York. But Daniel's break into life as a professional musician was actually sparked by another one of his early teachers. Another early music teacher was a guy named Greg Knapp, and Greg Knapp was a woodwind doubler in the Rochester, New York area where I grew up. And Greg encouraged me to pursue uh, work in the theatre world, so pit orchestra doubling. Uh, so that was my early, uh, it, it, you know, ent ent entrance into the professional music world, uh, doubling on theater productions, playing flute, clarinet, oboe, uh, piccolo. And uh, at that point, I was also playing uh, my own music. I was writing songs. I was playing jazz. I was learning all of the jazz repertoire. I was going to jam sessions quite a bit. Um, this is in my early 20s now. And I was uh, playing in weddings, playing at weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals. Uh, cocktail parties, so I was I was beginning to make a living at this, uh, even in my early 20s. As his career has progressed, Daniel has become well known for creating his own music, something that he started to become quite serious about whilst away from New York. In his early 20s, Daniel moved from New York to Boston, Massachusetts, where he got the opportunity to study at the Boston Conservatory. And in Boston, things got really busy. And that's when I got a little more serious about playing uh, my own music and pursuing my own specific passion of writing these songs that sound like folk songs but played on my wind instruments um, and I was working with a lot of great musicians from all over the world and I was really challenging myself to pursue that specific path. So uh, I began playing uh, in, in clubs around the Boston area, 
clubs like the Lilypad, the Outpost, Riles, a place called the Beehive. I was also a booking agent in Boston. Uh, I, I, I wear, I, when I was young, I learned, I wore a lot of hats and I had to learn the music industry from behind the scenes. So I was like booking clubs. I was also booking my own group, but I was booking multiple venues around the Boston area. I started my own record label. I had a production company. Uh, my production company, which was called Bennett Alliance, we produced a music series, a monthly music series in Boston that my band would host. And we had artists like James Carter, Bill Frizzell, um, uh, Dave Fusinski, Jerry Berganzi. A lot of different groups would come on and join us uh, in a double bill. And I learned how to deal with contracts and tour logistics. And to this day, I use all of these things when I'm when I'm booking and traveling with my own group, which I do full time now. But I always encourage young people to learn every aspect of the music business um, before you can actually make it as a band leader. Uh, so, the, the my evolution into being a professional musician was was pretty swift when I got into my 20s because I was very focused on uh, what I wanted to do. Even in those early years, Daniel played with many, many different musicians, and throughout his career that list has gotten longer and longer. Naturally, many of those people would have had an impact on Daniel and inspired him as a musician, but there is no doubt that one name rises above the others in Daniel's mind. That name is of guitarist Charlie Hunter. My band has shared concert billings with guitarist Charlie Hunter three or four times. I would say Charlie Hunter really stands out as being a consummate professional and a real beautiful, amazing human being. Uh, I used to produce a music festival in Rochester, New York called the Bennett Alliance Music Festival. That's when I first met Charlie. And uh, Charlie is a great example of making the most with a small group. Uh, he tours as a trio, sometimes as a duo, but... He keeps his group very small, it's economical, and it's so musical. I, I, as most of you know, Charlie uh, plays bass and uh, guitar at the same time um, on this really wild guitar that he has kind of innovated. And uh, he was he's just been an example for me of how to make it as a touring uh, group. So my group tours, I don't use a bass when I tour. My guitar player, Nat Janoff, has uh, looping pedals and other effects to create the sound that we need. And then I do all the doubling. So we have to work together. And then Coco Bermejo is my drummer and he has a lot of percussion instruments. We're all working together to create a big sound. Uh, so I think I was actually really taken by Charlie Hunter early on as far as an example of someone who has made it with an unusual uh, instrumentation and an unusual uh, vision for his own music. You're listening to the Jazz Matters podcast at jazzmatters.net. As Daniel's career has progressed, his name has started to come hand in hand with the word group. Daniel explains that the Daniel Bennett group is so called because it is an equal collective of musicians. Everyone in the group has an equal say and they aim for an equal sound. The group carries Daniel's name, but he is very clear that he views everyone involved as equals. The most recent release from the Daniel Bennett group is the album We Are The Orchestra, a duo project with guitarist Mark Coccio. 
I've known Mark Coccio since my days at the New England Conservatory in Boston. Uh, Mark and I have played all over the world together, and we play every week at, in Times Square at a series called the Experimental Tuesday series at the Residence in Times Square. Uh, Mark and I had done a lot of work together, a lot of recordings. Um, so about a year ago, we were commissioned to play the incidental music for a show called Whitman at the Whitney. It was a theater production. The poetry of Walt Whitman set to music. And the music was Woodwinds, me, and uh, banjo, Mark. <laughs> That's what they wanted. It was very unique. Actually, Walt Whitman was a huge fan of American folk music, but he also loved European classical music, especially European opera from the 18th and 19th century. So we that was the music for the show. We did a lot of opera themes, also some of my own music. And this was the music that eventually would lead to our newest album, We Are the Orchestra. <laughs> The album itself is something quite different, as you probably heard from the opening track of the episode. It's definitely a jazz album, but with many other influences shining through in generous helpings, not least Daniel's folk roots, as well as genres from all around the world. It can best be described as serious music that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a feel-good album with a unique sound. And that sound, as big as it is, really has been created by just two people. So Weird the Orchestra was originally conceived by my producer, M.P. Kuo, who was encouraging me to make a duo album uh, that was inspired by this work that we did at the Whitney Museum here in New York City. So we finished the show, Whitman at the Whitney, and M.P. said to me, Daniel, you have to make an album with this music and we can put it out as a duo album where you and Mark play all the instruments. So we recorded 16 instruments. There's only two of us on the album. Uh, I played all the woodwind parts, uh, clarinet, sax, flute, piccolo. Mark played all of the string parts, bass, mandolin, banjo, guitar, acoustic guitar. And we created this big sound, which became We Are The Orchestra, even though there's only two of us performing on the album. But if you listen to it, it sounds like a larger group. UK-based jazz fans are actually due to get an opportunity to see the Daniel Bennett group performing live in London at Ronnie Scott's. They will be opening for the legendary Harmito Pascal on the 17th and 18th of November 2019. Beyond that, unsurprisingly for someone who has been relentlessly putting out music for so many years, there's also plenty of plans on the horizon. already writing the music for our next album which is going to come out in 2020 so we have eight albums out they're all on sale worldwide itunes amazon rhapsody spotify uh, we're very easy to find we put out records just about every year um and uh we're really excited about what's t coming ahead uh we're cultivating the music playing every week at the residence in Times square uh also playing every month at tommy jazz a great club in midtown manhattan uh just wrapped a show at the blue note in new york city 
lots of traveling. We did our album release um, for We Are The Orchestra in LA, actually, last month at Herb Alpert's Vibrato Club. Lots of touring all over the world and a lot of uh, meeting a lot of great new people and getting a lot of new ideas. I get my inspiration from people. Uh, I learn a lot about cultures. I learn a lot about uh, p personality and how to fit that into the music and how to connect with the audience. Uh, I don't describe our music. I let the audience interpret freely. I think it's a much more enjoyable experience for the listener. And uh, I hope that we can continue to do that uh, in a big way next year. Listening to Daniel speak about the jazz scene, it's clear that we share similar passions, particularly on the need to push jazz into new places and break down some of the perceived barriers to it. But when he talks about the people he feels are at the forefront of this change, some names cropped up that will be familiar to those who regularly listen to this podcast. Some very familiar. I'm going to give a shout out to the movers and shakers in England. Uh, Darren, I love what you do with your podcast. I've been following the podcast for a little while. I love that you're pushing boundaries. You're reshaping and refocusing the music and the, the branding behind the music and the way we think about jazz. We need that. Jazz needs uh, new life. Uh, some people disagree with me about this, but I think jazz has had some problems. <laughs> and I think it's beautiful to see new people coming out of the woodwork who are promoting and championing the music, but also pushing it forward in new ways. So I really love what you're doing with the podcast. I know people uh, in New York and around America who uh, tune into your podcast. So your message is getting out there. I guarantee it. I'm hearing it. And it's exciting to see how it's uh, helping to reshape uh, the, the next generation uh, of jazz. I also love uh, following the, the work of critics like uh, Sammy Stein, who's a great author and a jazz critic in London. Uh, she has she writes for a dozen different jazz publications. She has a new book out called Women in Jazz. Uh, my wife was a contributor to the book, so that was a real blessing and honor for us to be a part of that book in a small way. Sammy is really pushing uh, uh, boundaries, and I love that. She, she's, she's really challenging people and helping us to, uh, in a way, to unite, but also to push forward and to try new things. Uh, jazz has so much potential potential right now with the internet and other different things we can really get it out there in new ways there's new venues popping up all over the world and i tell people when a venue goes out of business i guarantee there's 10 new venues that can come in and and, and start their own thing but we don't talk about that enough we focus on the negative things we focus on um jazz clubs that are going away, but there are so many new clubs that are popping up everywhere. Uh, we just played at a great club called The Impulse Room in Walnut Creek, California. Beautiful place. My band tours in Florida every year. We tour in the Midwest. We're in Europe. There's so many great venues and it's exciting to see what's happening with the music. So, But I see a lot of this happening in London specifically and there's so many great, not just great venues, but the musicians over there are incredible. So, I mean, we're excited to play over there and I love meeting new musicians 
musicians and just getting my own inspiration. I'm always watching people. I'm always inspired by people. So shout out to all the movers and shakers. There's so many people out there. Anthea Redmond, uh, Jazzigator is her Twitter handle. She's got a, a radio station called Jazz Bites Radio. She's incredible. She's interviewing artists every month. She's got uh, a huge platform with this radio station that she built with her husband. So it's exciting, and I'm seeing it happen, and I'm seeing the artists who are able to jump onto these platforms. It's a win-win for everybody. final music track of the episode taken from the album we are the orchestra that's another track with a wonderful title refinancing for elephants and that brings us to the end of this episode with just the usual notes before i leave you if you want to read more about daniel bennett you can head over to his website danielbennettgroup.com and you can find him on twitter with the handle daniel bennett ny Of course, those links can be found in the podcast show notes for those listening on a podcast platform. Please do check out the Jazz Matters website at jazzmatters.net where you can read more about the wider project, sign up to the mailing list, and if you wish to and are able to, support us in our ongoing efforts to make jazz more accessible for all. I'll be back with another episode in just two weeks' time, but for now, I send my thanks to Daniel Bennett 
and I bid you farewell.